What's up, holiday homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane J. And thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, this is the Monday before Christmas. Yes, before Christmas Eve and before Christmas. I had to think about that because it's so hard. It's so hard to do because you have to think about it in the future. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm like, where will we be? Or what day will it be when this comes out? But yes, when this comes out, it'll be the week of Christmas Eve and the week of Christmas. Um, so this will be our last movie review of December. Oh, is it really? Okay. Yes. I, I had to think <laughs> about that as well. But I'm like 96.3%. I'm, I'm trusting your math right now. Look. Math was my <laughs> worst subject in school, but I'm like very, very much sh like sure that this is our last movie review of December, which brings me to our schedule for the next two weeks. Wow. Why is my brain? My brain just shut down. As soon as we hit record, <laughs> my brain was like. All right. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. It's because we have such a like, we have an exciting little lineup for this uh, last bit of 2020. And it's a lot. So I understand the confusion yes. because I have it all written down and I'm still confused just looking at it. I have it all written down in a lovely planner that I got specifically for this reason that is sitting downstairs on the table, um, far yeah, of out course. of my grasp, <laughs> but yes. Okay. So the next two weeks, we do have some exciting content coming for you homies, um, just in time for the holidays. So obviously this episode is out today and this is our last movie review because we have a bonus episode coming out for you guys on Christmas Eve, um, which we will lovingly call the Homies Holiday Power Hour. <laughs> that will be coming out. That's our little gift to you guys. That's coming out Christmas Eve. And then we wanted to let you guys know we will be skipping Monday after that. Let me look up the exact date. Okay, so we will be skipping Monday the 28th. There will be no new episode coming out that day, but that's only because we are, homies, we are giving birth to ooh, a big boy for you guys. <laughs> that will be your New Year's episode. So that episode is going to be coming out New Year's Eve. So that Thursday we will be dropping that lovely giant episode for you guys. And we just need a little bit of extra time to put that together. So we'll be skipping that Monday. We hope you understand because you are getting a bonus boy to keep you keep you fed until that comes out. <laughs> so, yeah, just wanted to let you guys know what our schedule was so that when that Monday rolled around, you weren't like, what the heck? What the Where's homies, my episode, bro? The homies suck, dude. <laughs> they <laughs> lied. They You lied. You said no. every single Monday, dude. What the hell? 
Yeah, that's true because I do say in the outro, I do say, you can catch us every single Monday when our new episodes drop. So I would have been an actual liar, but not anymore because I let you guys know. (laughs) (laughs) But since this is our last um, Christmas episode for December, we chose a banger of a movie for you guys. But before we get into that movie, I wanted to shout out a couple of things. Well, a couple of podcasts and then a specific podcast episode before we get into that. Oh, please shout them out. Oh, please. Um, so my first one that I want to shout out is the Creepy Crap Podcast. Um, that is a podcast that I have been catching up on all week that is hosted by Daniel and he is awesome he is very funny once again we have a solo dolo podcast who is killing the game very entertaining they're like small they're quick episodes they're like 20 minutes usually and he leads you through the entire movie so if there's a movie in particular that you're like I don't want to watch this but I want to know what happens and be entertained at the same time. I think his podcast is perfect for that. And then I also wanted to shout out Spilling Guts podcast. Um, Their podcast makes me laugh every single time. Uh, They talk about a wide range of movies and they're just hilarious and they riff very well off of each other. In that same category, I would also like to include the Killer Track podcast. They are also very funny, riff off of each other very well. They have very good thoughts on the horror genre. You can tell that they're huge fans of horror, and they also talk about music a lot and introduce you to some music that you might not have heard of. So those are my actual podcasts that I wanted to shout out. And then I wanted to shout out our lovely, lovely podcast friends, Fear the Talking Queers. They came out with a holiday special episode, which came out on the day that we're recording it. So it came out on Wednesday. Um, So it's already out at the time that this episode is dropping. And if you guys haven't listened to it yet, you need to get on it. It's delightful. And it's so good. It's so nice. You might you might hear some some ghosts, some ghost voices that sound sort of familiar to you. <laughs> wink wink. Hint that, hint. That episode is so good for getting you into the holiday spirit. Like you told me that when you like texted me like the episode was up and mm-hmm. then I actually listened to it and I got to say that was the most Christmassy I think I felt all of December. I'm saying uh, they came in and they saved 2020. Single-handedly <laughs> swooped in and saved the entire year. I listened to it this morning. I've been in the Christmas spirit all day. So, and I totally give that to them. Like they 100% put me in the Christmas spirit for the rest of the season. So yeah, guys, go check that out. Please, they put so much work into it, and you can totally tell it's so much fun to listen to. So please go check out that episode, and then, of course, as always, listen to all of their other episodes. 
But yeah, that is it for my shout outs today. I don't know why every time I do shout outs, I forget to breathe and I'm always sweating by the time I finish <laughs> doing them. I don't know I what that. it is. I'm like drowning in sweat at the moment. And I like <laughs> just took my first breath for the last two minutes that I've been shouting people out. Like that was the first oxygen I've tasted. You think it's because, like, you don't want to forget anyone, so you're, like, stressing out to make sure, like, hey, yeah. all right, did I get all the names out? Let I me just so. keep speaking until I get them all out. Otherwise, yeah, I might forget one. It's verbal diarrhea, first of all, because I'm like, okay, I'm on this train of thought. I know what I like about them. I have to get it all out or else I forget what I want to say. As if I can't edit out. I act like I can't <laughs> edit out any breaths that I take. I'm like I gotta get my thoughts out and then halfway through I'm like oh my god I forgot what their podcast was called but then it comes <laughs> back to me and I'm like I gotta say it now <laughs> before I forget it again I don't know guys it's a little bit stressful so you're welcome for the shout out since you can tell it gives me <clears throat> gives me a lot of health concerns but but hey homies podcast tip number one just don't breathe you want to have a great podcast just never take a breath that's like the easiest way to do it um don't put on deodorant just let all the sweat leave your body (laughs) and that's the only way really that's our pro tip for starting a podcast (laughs) in 2021 don't wear deodorant don't take a breath and don't edit out um any of the verbal anything anything that you say don't edit it out just nail it first take Remember, burps are quality content, okay? (laughs) Burps are quality content. Um, Farts are enough to get you on the Apple charts. (laughs) If you can get it in the mic, you're golden. Um, On that note, homies, we're going to jump into our episode. Or, well, we're already in our episode. But we're going to jump into our movie, which was a Christmas horror story. Which came out in 2015. Which is so surprising, man. I, I couldn't tell. If you told me this came out in 2015, I'd be like, really? Holy shit. Like you couldn't tell as in you wouldn't be surprised. In, in like a good way. I was like, I was, I was surprised. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It definitely looks like it could have been in comparison to um, Once Upon a Time at Christmas, which came out two years after this movie. Oh, I don't know what that movie is. <laughs> who? I'm sorry. Who? <laughs> yeah no i agree this definitely looks very good it has i mean i know that was only five years ago but it like it looks fresh it looks glossy it's looking very good for her age yeah and it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun i'm very excited to talk about this one it is a lot of fun and i don't i'm glad you said that because while i was watching it i was like okay maybe like I said, I've been in the holiday spirit all day. And mm-hmm. I've been I was like, okay, maybe I'm just being impacted by the fact that I've just been like wearing a Christmas crown all day and I'm just carrying that over to this movie. But no, it really is a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, it's a- This is Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, that was cute. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ladies first, please, please. Oh, my gosh. Respectful co-hosts. But shut up. I'm talking now. Um, We're going (laughs) to. No, all I was going to say is it's 
a great movie and also it's a great Christmas movie. Like more so than the other two that we've watched this month. I feel like this one got me more into the Christmas spirit and it also um, <clears throat> like scratched my horror itch at the same time. And I'm so happy that we got to watch this movie. I, I'm glad we didn't end it. I, I'm not going to lie. I felt like a bit of a Scrooge like the last two episodes because I was like, man, I wanted to love these movies, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad we're ending with one that I did. Nice. Yeah, this one, I think it's always hard, honestly, to mix together Christmas and horror. Like, it is asking a lot to take these two genres and make them work in one cohesive movie. But mm -hmm. I I think this movie did a pretty damn good job of it. And it'll be exciting to kind of, like, break it down with you. Um, mm -hmm. So to not waste any more time, let's go ahead Hop in, uh, talking about a Christmas horror story directed by several directors, actually. Uh, Grant Harvey, Steve Hubin, and Brett Sullivan, starring a very, very large cast because this is a this is a, a beefy movie. Um, mm -hmm. But there is one very notable actor who uh, <laughs> j just wait, you'll see. <clears throat> I know what you're thinking, homies. You're thinking, oh, she forgot to say the thing that she said she'd say every single holiday episode. And you know what? You're right. I did forget. But that's not going to stop me from jumping in now and saying the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to leave us an Apple podcast rating or review. It'll make us happy. It'll make you happy. And there is nothing more that we want to see than to check our stockings and see a spicy review from one of you homies. So please spread some cheer, spread some reviews, and now let's get on to the plot. So a Christmas horror story, 2015. Three stories, all alike in William Shatner, take place on a chilling Christmas Eve. Captain Kirk I mean, Dangerous Dan, is our radio host for the evening as we follow four groups. An ex-officer looking to spend time with his wife and son on Christmas. A far more dysfunctional family on their way to visit grandma for the holidays. An aspiring teen news anchor and her ragtag crew of horny boys. And Mr. and Mrs. Claus who are getting prepped for Christmas shipping. Unfortunately for our groups, the Christmas spirit is as dangerous as Dan. From dead spirits, to changelings, to zombies, to Krampus himself, we must watch in terror as these groups struggle to make it into the morning. Insert ghostly possessions, mortal combat killings, and a holly jolly showdown between Krampus and Santa. We leave this film remembering the wise words of Storm and Norman. Fuck Christmas. Roll credits. Willie. They call me Big Owen. Oh, Willie. <laughs> Big Willie. But that's not what he says, is it? I don't remember. I haven't heard that song in years. Who even sings that song? Headsprung. Who is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Headsprung. That's the only part of that song I know. Big At this point in time, I all right, you know what? I'm I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna admit it. 
get your head sprung is the one part of that song that I was ever able to actually make out. I'm sorry. I have to. Oh, it's LL Cool J. LL wow. Cool J, the disrespect is. that we just put on <laughs> LL Cool J's name after we've mentioned him in multiple So episodes. many times. Mr. Cool J, I'm so sorry. Oh, wait. You know what? Now that now I, now the songs are coming back to me. But I'm not. I'm. I'm definitely about to go on a mental tangent of just singing that song, and I don't think we need that because we are talking about the movie right now. Hello, <laughs> Cool J. You always do this to us. Oh We're my trying god! To do a review, and you just you just overshadow everything. And when you have to think about you, no. I don't know how this happens every time. We need time. to send him a bill for as many times <laughs> as we've been giving him free publicity. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he owes us a million dollars at least. Um, but yeah, Willie Shatner is in this. Um, also, if you guys have been keeping up with our um, Degrassi account for actors who have been in Degrassi who have also been in horror movies, um, you can go ahead and put another notch on there because uh, the actor that plays Dylan, Shannon Cook, was on Degrassi. I was like, Oh, oh, so oh, everybody graduated from Degrassi High. Straight into horror and, uh, movies. Murdered, yeah, straight into horror movies. Um, but of course, he is also, um, he or he was also in The Conjuring. So mm -hmm. I mean, he's been in a horror movie before. I don't know why I didn't mention it in that episode, but I don't think I was keeping Degrassi tabs During at the time that, that we did that The Conjuring. Yeah, I think I started afterwards. On top um, of other random stuff that this cast has done, uh, George Busa, who plays uh, Santa Claus, was actually the voice of Beast in the uh, old X-Men cartoon, which I thought was kind of fun. That's cool. Yeah, I was looking him up, and it looks like he's done a lot of voiceover. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, and he's got a really good voice. And honestly, does. he might be my favorite movie Santa that I've seen. Dude, at least out of the movies we've watched, this so month far, for sure, for absolute sure, he a hundred percent takes the Oscar for best Santa Claus throughout everything we re we've reviewed this month, yes. hands down. So goddamn good. Yeah, he um, was. Like he's awesome. up there on my. He's up there on my list. I think. Period. Or it's partially him. And partially just this rendition of Santa Claus. It might just be that this is my favorite rendition of Santa Claus that I've ever seen. Yeah. But it's so good. Yeah, because I agree. It's basically, it's basically Abraham Lincoln, the vampire hunter, <laughs> except Santa Claus versus zombie elves. It is yeah. fucking fantastic. Santa Claus, the elf, the elf the slayer. <laughs> the elf slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. Um, we also have the actress that plays Caprice. Um, mm -hmm. She's been in a bunch of horror stuff. She was in Channel Zero. She was in Hellfest. And then she was also in We Summon the Darkness. So she is like uh -huh. a horror. She is. It's not her first time. Not her first visit. So I thought that, that was cool. And then one last little thing that I wanted to throw out. The directors of this movie mm -hmm. well first of all the town that this takes place in is bailey downs and mm -hmm. when they said that i was like that sounds really familiar and i figured out why it's because the directors that did this movie were also involved in the ginger snaps 
trilogy. Uh, Ginger Snaps is one. I have not seen that. Okay. Wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to to reveal that. No, I haven't seen that. What is that? Um, I'm sorry. Let me slow my heart rate back down. (laughs) Um, So Ginger Snaps is a great movie. It's actually one of my favorite um, werewolf movies, which we haven't yet touched upon (laughs) Um, somehow. So yeah, Ginger Snaps is... There's there's three of them. The first two I really liked. I don't think I liked the third one, but it's been a very long time since I've seen it. But they were they worked on all of the Ginger Snaps and the town in that movie is also Bailey Downs. So that is a uh, nod. That's a nod to that movie. But You know, I was wondering that too because they make reference to that in the movie um, at some point. Yeah, cuz William mm-hmm. Shatner, he's playing the He's playing the radio host who's just talk, who's talking us through this. And this is an anthology series movie, which I honestly didn't realize until ending the movie. I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> I, I, I get why the movie was the way that it was, because at first I was just confused as to like why we're jumping around so much. But then it made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but he makes but Dangerous Dan makes reference to like bad stuff keeps happening in Bailey Downs. I was like. Is this movie uh, part of, was it like a sequel is kind of the thought I had is like, Mm. is there a movie that comes uh, before this one? Because the character is definitely saying like, man, we keep dealing with shit here. And that makes sense if that's what it is. Yeah, because he even says he's like, is Bailey Downs cursed? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's what it is. It's just like a nod to that movie, which we will be reviewing in the future. It's like it's it's been settled the moment I said I haven't yeah. seen it. It's like, oh, we're gonna change that. What the heck? That got sealed in into stone. Um <laughs> <laughs> but this movie was way more fun than and wet and and very well written in the sense that I liked basically all of the stories usually in an anthology there's at least you know there's one story where i'm like "Eh, can we just go back to the other ones not Mm -hmm. super into this one um but i was invested in all of the stories did i like how all of them ended not necessarily but i did like how the movie ended a lot which we will Mm -hmm. get into and the beginning of this movie first of all carol of the bells is a bop and anybody who says differently can can talk to me directly can call me (laughs) on my line because that song is so good anytime i hear it i'm immediately like oh i'm in the christmas spirit and this movie started with a version of carol of the bells that that remix fucking slapped though dude i was in it from the beginning i was like this is this is the one like this is the movie we just knew and i mean that was the thing that i said about um our last movie too uh once upon a time at christmas like i didn't like that movie but one thing that these horror christmas movies seem to have in common is their remixes of the holiday jingles are are on point they are they are so damn good yeah they are and all like they should have just stopped after carol of the bells just stop making music that was the peak of musicality um so we start with that is the like opening credit song you're already in it you're like yep this is 
this is a Christmas movie, I'm down. Um, we do, it does one of those things where it, you know, it starts and then it flash, and then it does like 12 hours earlier. So it's like you start at the ending. Um, is that, Which do was, you, do you like that in movies? Like when they're like, this is going to happen in 12 hours and then it like it, flash. It back. depends. It depends. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think for this particular movie, I felt like it worked very well because of the idea around it. Because yeah. the first image that we get is Santa Claus covered in blood, just waiting for something in a barn. Saying and what's up. He's like dabbing up all his reindeer as he walks. He walks <laughs> He's like, what's up, Kami? <laughs> like, how you been? How yeah, you doing? How, how you doing? I don't know. That was kind of, that was funny to me, the way that he was just saying like hello to all of them as he walked by covered yeah. in blood. <laughs> but like that's the thing is it, it pulls you in so well. Because it's just like, A, they got Santa down. Like this, I'm I've already accepted this person as Santa Claus. Like this, this rendition already works for me. And I think that added to it, like his relationship with a reindeer and all that shit. Like I think that just made it more like, okay, I'm in it. What's mm -hmm. about to happen? And then he turns around and he's just drenched in blood. And you're like, whoa, whoa, hold up. <laughs> What's what what is happening here? And yeah. so when they flash away from that, it's like is it a little cliche? Yeah, it is. But for this particular situation, it takes two things that you don't expect to see together, Santa Claus and a blood-covered suit, and then it makes you have to figure out how do we, how do we get there. And I was I right. was there for it. I was there for it. Again, it doesn't work every time, but I felt like for this movie, I, w I was cool with it. Yeah, it definitely worked in this movie for me as well. Um, because, I yeah, I was dying to know. I was like, okay, well, first of all, is this really Santa Claus? Because, like, the way that they set it up, you know, we go to the, we, like, zoom in on this giant palace. And mm -hmm. so you're like, oh, my God, we're, like, actually at the North Pole. All right. Santa's living mm -hmm. large. Then you're like, okay, well, why did why did he get here? How did he get here? And then we when we flash back, we just, we go to Bailey Downs. So now we're in the town. Yeah. Um, Which, but I love. Real quick, I wanted to, like, yeah. say that's so smart of them to do, though, because, the first shot, even though it's a little like CG and like mystical and cartoony, the shot of the North Pole, I think was so smart of them to do because once we leave this place, we go back to our natural reality, right? That we're used mm -hmm. to, like normal people and everything like that. But putting that at the beginning set up the idea that we're about to see some like mystical shit happen, though. Like it was one of those mm -hmm. very quick ways, quick, smart ways that the movie introduced the idea of like magic and like the holidays without taking up, you know, 20 to 15 minutes of the movie. I agree. And I and I did actually really like the use of the radio station as mm -hmm. the tie in between all the stories because then it's not necessarily like, oh, well this character meets this character at one point like really the stories were very separate but mm -hmm. it's just this one radio host is broadcasting to all of bailey down so sometimes we'll go back to him talking in the studio and then we'll like cut and someone will be listening to him on the radio and so now we're in their story um yeah i, I liked that connection i thought that that worked like that worked for me and of course it's william shatner so i was like yeah you, I was gonna you say. drink that eggnog william you get drunk <laughs> 
<laughs> I even as somebody who's been doing a podcast for a little bit now, I was so inspired by William Shatner's radio host character where I was like, I would listen to this man's radio station every goddamn day. Like he just <laughs> He was a mess. <laughs> he, but it was funny. <laughs> He, he was like, it's because, I don't know if it was maybe just watching William Shatner do it, but, like, everything that I picture when I picture, like, the cheesiest holiday radio host, he captured all of that for me. I was there for it. I was mm-hmm. like, you, sir, the only thing you have going for you as this character is this radio show, and you know what? You drink your drink your sorrows away, and you just keep telling me to be happy on Christmas. I'm here for it. Dangerous Dan is going to tell you a secret. I love Christmas. There, I said it. And I don't care who knows it, because I love tinsel. I love Rudolph. I love cranberries. I love baby Jesus. Before he went all hippie with the sandals and the long hair. And and he did a good job, though, too. Like, you know, because he really could have just been like, oh, I'm William Shatner and I'm doing this thing. But he was not. He was in it. He, he was he, in it. He was yeah. in it. I enjoyed I enjoyed cutting back to him and seeing what he was gonna he was gonna say. They also did connect the stories a little bit though, um, like in in terms of like they're not. There's a couple cool ways that I do think they connected some of them. Um, the one that pops in my head the most is like the two cars driving past each other um, to split from like one family to the other is one mm-hmm. one of the few examples of the times. But there's little Easter eggs of like how these. Uh, how these stories are connected, which I enjoyed. I mm-hmm. think they're for me, they're fun to see them in a movie to see how you make it cohesive in a way. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think that's fun, and because it's like it's obviously they they all are in the same town. It's all on a somehow connected in a way. Mm-hmm. So I did like that too, like the little ways because so jumping into the segments because i figured mm-hmm. we can just kind of take it story by story so um the first story i think that we really get like set up with is the the teenagers and the school mm-hmm. so we have dylan molly and ben who are three teenagers that go to the school called saint joseph's i believe it's called and when we meet them, they're like waiting in the parking lot to get into the school. The school is closed. And Caprice actually steals the school keys and brings them to them because she's dating Dylan. And Caprice is involved in her own separate story. So like that was one way that they interweaved that because then throughout it, like Caprice gets mentioned a couple times by then, but we kind of know what's going on with her. Yeah. So like it's it's fun to know that they like do know each other and have a connection. It felt it felt very deliberate. Like mm-hmm. they I think they knew that they wanted to make these stories a little bit more isolated, but they they were good about picking and choosing when they were going to make them intersect. Right. And this and it makes sense. It's like, you know, you're going to have teenage characters, it makes sense that they are connected in some way. Mm-hmm. Um so their story was probably my least favorite, but that's just because the other ones were so good. I was still invested in this story. Like I was never bored with theirs. I was very, <laughs> their story was also probably the most, the one that I was the most like confused about where it was gonna go next. Um, yeah. 
So that was good. But I think in comparison to the other ones, this one was like the least like enjoyable for me. I mean, I could vibe with I could vibe with that. The for me, the big thing about this particular story is it started off very strong for me and then lost steam the longer it went, Um, which I think is the opposite for a lot of the other stories that we follow where they start and then they just pick up steam. Yeah, they started off slow. And then mm-hmm. built up. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Dylan, Molly, and Ben are these teenagers. They're breaking into the school because <laughs> they say they're doing it for a school project. And the it's like a but they're doing a report. Like the way that they're they brought all this like camera equipment and stuff. Molly is like acting like she's a reporter. Dylan is filming her, and then Ben has like the audio equipment. So it's for school that they're doing this mm-hmm. and they're going into the school because um, there was two teenagers that got murdered there Christmas Eve the previous year and they want to do a story about the murder and <laughs> Molly's like oh like somehow she got a hold of the police surveillance when they went into the basement and like did all the you know figured out all that stuff And she's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, we can't use this in our report because it's illegal. But then they illegally break into the school and film themselves alone in the basement in a restricted area. And they were going to turn that in as their project and think that everything would be fine. Their teacher would just be like, oh, dope. Like, you guys really did a good job. Like, you were not supposed to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how did you get that footage? Like, you're this... It, it's almost as bad as stealing police footage, but yeah, yeah. Like, hey, it's a little bit less, so it'll be fine. I'm like, I guess it's like, yeah, they wouldn't have, they would have gotten in more trouble for using the police footage for sure because they weren't supposed to have it. But also, you broke into private property when you weren't supposed to be there. You stole the keys to the school, broke into mm-hmm. private property, and then went into a restricted area where a murder occurred. That was a murder scene <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and did a report on it. And so that's like their whole premise. So when they get there, the principal is there and they like hide from him and he leaves. Immediately after the principal leaves, Dylan is convinced that the principal has like nefarious like intentions. Yeah. I didn't know why he was so... Like, he was like, the principal's a murderer. He did it. He killed the kids. I was like, since when? (laughs) What happened? I feel like he might have just gotten one too many detentions and he had his own personal vendetta against the principal. The principal was very plain Jane as far as principals go. Like, there wasn't really anything outlandish, I felt, about the principal. Yeah, he's just some guy that... Oh, and, and then also... I am. I will say that these characters, as teenagers, I thought that they were very well written for being written by adults, mm-hmm. um, because many times they, I had expectations where I was like, oh well, they're gonna go in this direction because they're teenagers, but they didn't. The one time they did, though, is at the very beginning before they went into school, and Caprice comes up and like says hello to Dylan. And they're just making out 
in front of their friends and Dylan has like he's like rubbing his hands over her and he like puts his hand on her butt and Ben and Molly are kind of just like watching them and then they pan over and we see that Caprice's entire family is sitting in the car waiting for her <laughs> I know, <laughs> to hop right? in the car and the dad and she just like runs over to the car and the dad's like all right we're on our way I was like <laughs> ma'am you are about to have sex with him in the middle of a parking lot in daylight with your family sitting <laughs> like yo that's just that's just young love erica that's just young yeah. love just they, teenagers being teenagers they ain't got a care in the world other than when they gonna get a little bit of booty that's that's the only thing they're thinking about that's the only thing and none of nobody in the in the car mentions said it, a so. word about it <laughs> they're like oh there's our little girl <laughs> being wild like she does <laughs> oh caprice doing it again (laughs) (laughs) um but basically with their whole story is it's a ghost story of course Mm -hmm. um and so this is where i get confused so they end up getting stuck in the basement they can't leave and molly mentions that there was a girl who got pregnant and she said that it was like immaculate conception and then she died giving herself an abortion, right? <clears throat> so then that ghost, like, possesses Molly, tries to have sex with Dylan. Dylan turns her away. So she kills Dylan, successfully has sex with Ben. So now Molly's just like, oh, I'm pregnant with her child. And that's all the ghost wanted was to get somebody pregnant yep. with her child. Yep. So then she kills, the ghost kills Ben and then lets Molly free so she can go have her child. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, yes to all of that. Uh, (laughs) It took, uh, so here's the thing. And it's probably why it's the lesser of my, uh, of my picks for this movie is the, the story on this one's a little confusing. And I definitely mm-hmm. had to rewind a couple times. So for this for this movie, I watched it once. Then I definitely had to like rewatch it again with a new lens. Um, skipping over some parts, but like I gave it a second watch. And so mm-hmm. it seems like the whole idea with this story is the first big thing is that basement area that they're in. Uh, their school used to be like a coven or something like that. And yeah. so it was there like having premarital sex was a big no no. So if you got caught being pregnant, like this is kind of the area where you were hidden away in. And so the idea of like what made this ghost was that the nuns or whatever tried to actually give the abortion, which ended up killing her. And now her ghost is, like you said, trying to have her ghost baby with some willing participants. And so it seems like Molly gets possessed. And then when... It's Dylan when Dylan doesn't want to have sex, like he he gets off, but then Ben almost makes it. Like Ben would have been okay. But I think what happened in that scene is Ben was holding the like giant uh, didgeridoo stick thing (laughs) that they were carrying around for protection. The Gandalf staff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, well he had that in his hand when the ghost finally like appeared to them. And so she took that shit as a threat and just straight up offed him is the impression that I'm getting. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because we do find out. So the two teenagers, because it, it was a girl and a boy that got murdered in the basement. And we do find out that basically they wouldn't have sex and do the thing. So she killed them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so Molly and Ben like succeeded. So she lets Molly go. And I guess I guess where I, I'm unsure is so when Molly leaves, is she still possessed? in some no, way or is she herself because she was being really weird when she left yeah she was she, like acting totally different than how she had been acting and she and I, like when she was in the basement she was upset when her friends were killed but then as soon as she was free to leave she's just like uh -huh, like humming <laughs> yeah, to herself like, and like oh, walking God. out <laughs> yeah uh so I, I was just unsure you know, I don't think that she was possessed. Maybe she was like in shock or something. That could be left up for interpretation about whether or not she was actually still possessed or not. Mm -hmm. um, I felt, for me, I thought it was just the ghost did what it had to do. Uh, it's not like she can bring them back to life at this point. Like, she knows her friends are dead. So I just feel like she was just kind of like walking into the nothingness, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it, it, I think you could definitely interpret that she's still possessed and I wouldn't have a reason to say no. But for mm -hmm. me, I thought that she had just kind of accepted her fate and was gone. OK, yeah, that's fair, because she definitely. Yeah, she she definitely seems like she's like, OK, this is I guess this is happening. Like um, that, when she kind of figures out what's going on, she's yeah. like, I guess I'm having a baby. <laughs> I was but like, then, okay. like, the thing is is I now thinking about it I kind of think that she should still be possessed because otherwise doesn't this ghost plan seem a little convoluted of like she possesses a girl to then have sex with somebody else and then the girl gets pregnant like I don't get how that makes it the ghost baby like is the right. is the ghost is the ghost because if the ghost possesses her then for the rest of her life she can just pretend to be molly and then raise this baby as her own and like look now she has a baby i'm almost right. thinking like she just wanted to have premarital sex and was like i'm gonna possess your body get me some and then subsequently also have my kid for me like be my like my surrogate on the living plane or some shit like that yeah i don't know because like what i, I like i don't get how her possessing molly at all makes that baby her baby you yeah, know what i'm saying it's still molly's dna yeah. it's still molly's egg and like, ben yeah, yeah it's you like you as the ghost still have like no real connection to this baby right and it seems like you're trapped in the school so you can't unless you possess her it doesn't seem like you can leave so you would have to possess her I mean, the way that I I kind of felt like she was in some way possessed just because she was humming and like rubbing her stomach. She just seemed very, very happy about having a baby mm -hmm. all of a sudden. And it just didn't track with everything with that had just happened to her because, yeah, it's like when Ben gets killed, she's like sobbing over his body. Mm -hmm. And then once the door opens... It she's almost good. seems like she immediately goes like stone. She's like stone cold, like, oh, I'm getting up out of here. So I almost wondered if maybe once the doors open, then she got possessed. Mm -hmm. And then the ghost was like, all right. It could like, be. Let's go home. Uh, that's what I 
was thinking because yeah because like otherwise it's like okay so you just wanted to get molly pregnant you just wanted to get you just... a little some some and then <laughs> yes yeah that's because it it seemed like that plan is not quite thought through if she doesn't stay inside of their body <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i could see her being possessed at the end there um i the, the thing i will give this portion is mm-hmm. the deaths in this aspect of the movie are pretty fucking brutal yeah <laughs> dylan gets like a crucifix like slammed into his eye we don't get to see it happen but we see him with the crucifix sticking out of his face yeah and it's it is pretty and the police the police footage that they watch of what happened to oh, the previous yeah. kids um last christmas eve is hella brutal like one of the one of the kids is straight up strewn up crucifix style on the wall mm-hmm. with his head bashed in and neck broken and he's just like dripping blood and then another and then the girl is like hidden in the rafters like just completely like torn up and like cut up and just like drops from the fucking ceiling like they yeah. are messed up they got me they got me with that jump scare they did I too knew- I, wrote that, I wrote that down i was like I cannot believe in 2020 I'm still getting hit by these <laughs> by these from the roof jump scares, but that shit got yeah. me. It really did. Like, Damn, bitch. Well, and like I knew I knew a jump scare was coming because of the way it was set up, um, but I wasn't expecting it to come from the ceiling. Like I think that's what got me is I wasn't expecting her to fall from the ceiling. I thought he was gonna like turn around and like a ghost would be there or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it was different than I was expecting. I think that's what got me. Um, so throughout that whole story, I like it that they're trapped in the school and what they're really nervous about is the fact that it's Christmas Eve and nobody's supposed to be back at the school for a week and they're Mm -hmm. afraid they're going to be in there by themselves. But they keep saying like, yo, it's Christmas Eve. Somebody's going to notice we're gone. And Molly keeps trying to reassure them by saying like, oh, well, Caprice will be, she'll know something's wrong when Dylan doesn't call her. But on caprice's side of things (laughs) she don't give she don't care about dylan because uh she got a whole other problem to deal with um so caprice and her family are going on a little road trip to go visit the The, dad's uh yeah so the dad i think his name is jeff uh was it his aunt or his mom i thought it was his mom no, it was his it was his aunt because he uh, said that uh, I know you and mom him his mom and the aunt did not get along. So it seems like they've been they haven't spoken. A little strange or something. Like that. Yeah, they haven't okay. spoken in a very long time. So they're going over to visit her, and Jeff keeps acting like it's like oh I just want to see her. Like Christmas is the time to forgive, but really you can tell because the aunt is very well off that it's probably something to do with money. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get there. Duncan, her little brother, is a little shit. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. He is a so, little fucking shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's the worst. And I love the way that they like paint this family because you can tell very quickly, you can tell that Duncan does not get disciplined and the mom makes excuses for him like it's never his fault it's somebody else's fault because duncan is playing with this little statue of krampus 
that is on the at the aunt's house and she tells him she's like don't play with that and he keeps playing with it and mm-hmm. then this the other guy Gerhardt Gerhardt um, he's like I don't know he just works there I guess but he comes in and also yells at Duncan is like hey don't play with that and Duncan purposefully knocks it off of the table and breaks it yeah. and so the aunt knocks or the aunt like kicks them out of the house and the mom and the aunt knocks them the fuck out (laughs) the aunt knocks them out and murders them dude that would have been a crazy story i mean it's kind of similar to what happened but um (laughs) but so she kicks them out and i love how as soon as they get in the car the mom is like your aunt is crazy like she was so rude it's not duncan's fault i was like Like, duncan did you see what he did awful like you have a little demon child on your hands because he is like he stared this man in his eyes and flicked it off of the table like a cat he basically (laughs) was a cat (laughs) for like a minute and and the mom's like everything's fine (laughs) i'm surprised he didn't just flip him off while he was doing it like he had that that energy about him he did he had that crazy crazy energy and so they get sent away and because they were bad they get uh chased around by krampus we've got krampus in this film folks mm-hmm. and he actually looks he looked pretty good. good he looked he looked yeah. good that's what i'm saying is like i'm i was shook that it was 2015 because it was like this krampus i'm here for it and they, they're yeah. not shy about showing him either because they know it. They're like, nah, our Krampus looks pretty damn good. Yeah. They were like, we know where we know we did good. Um, it, and it's one of those things where I was worried because we get a quick shot of Krampus standing in the road because they like almost crash into him and it makes them crash their car. And that quick shot of him looked a little bit shoddy. Like I was mm-hmm. like, oh. I don't know about that but when you see him up close with the makeup on and everything oh my he looks fantastic yeah looks great you look good you, you, you look Krampus, good, you Krampus. Look good what have you done what kill. kind of is that, did you get is done? that a new horn what is that what are those cheek fillers oh my god <laughs> yeah he looks great um so I loved seeing him and basically the rest of the story is them all getting killed off as they're trying to escape and i love that duncan gets killed first i was like this is fantastic yeah it's like yeah he fucking should i will say it was really funny because like he uses the you know like the chain whip thing that krampus is you know kind of known for having that shit and i love that when he hits jeff with it (laughs) And so, and like Jeff gets like semi impaled, oh, yeah. and then they all run over to him. They're like, "Honey, are you okay? Are you good?" He like looks over at them. Is like, "Am I shot?" Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's so confused. He's like, "What the fuck just happened?" He's he's bleeding profusely. Bad. Like the snow around mm-hmm. him is just soaked in blood, and he's just so confused as to what happened to him. And then, and then immediately afterwards because they're still trying to find duncan like they hear some shit and both the mom and caprice run off and just fucking leave him bleeding out in the snow yeah he's like he's like um guys (laughs) i'm gonna need a little help standing up but yeah somehow he he gets up and they all 
run, they all run off together and they go to a church. And immediately, like, Caprice and the dad are like, okay, if this is Krampus, like, maybe we need to um, confess our sins and, like, absolve for them. Tell me why. Why is Duncan a psychopath? His sin is that he killed all of the family pets and Caprice <laughs> Caprice knew this and never said anything. A monster took Duncan and Duncan was innocent. No, he wasn't. I mean, what do you think happened to all our pets? Mom, the day our cat disappeared, I found Duncan in the garage with a garbage bag. He had blood all over his hands. He was smiling. No. I was like, ma'am, that's like that's serious. Yeah, <laughs> like, did you have any idea your son was the Antichrist? Because... Yeah, he's actually Damien from the Omen. <laughs> like, that's insane. Everybody else's stuff, like Caprice's, is that she she's like a kleptomaniac. Like she's she can't stop stealing little things. We never mm -hmm. find out what the mom's is. The dad <laughs> the dad says that basically he has no money like the whole time he keeps talking about this company that he runs that we come to find out is actually like gone under he's barely getting enough money to scrape by and he's been lying to his family about it and he says something like he says something like i'm probably gonna go to jail and then he dies like a minute later and i was just like at least you won't go to jail. <laughs> like, like, good news is you don't have to go to prison anymore. Um, yeah, look at the bright side. Yeah, dude. you gotta uh, look at the honestly, positive. Jeff was Jeff was fucked either way. Even if he survived oh, yeah. this encounter, he was he was screwed. He even said that he knew he was gonna die because he was like, "I'm lose I'm losing way too much blood. Like, I'm not gonna." Yeah. He's like, "I can't Which go I, anywhere." Thank you to the thank you to all the writers that worked on this too. Throughout the this entire movie. The writers were aware of little stuff like that and mm -hmm. found ways to include like either the character says a small thing that actually references something that happens or the characters act in a way that despite how kind of ridiculous the circumstances are, the characters are kind of grounded in their choices and the stuff that they try and do. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm like, thank you for that because it's so distracting when your characters don't like if if a character has been bleeding from their chest for the past 30 minutes and they're not aware that they're probably going to die, we got an issue. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like you you have to it's as silly and ridiculous as some of these stories are, the characters act very realistic and make very logical decisions. The fact that they knew it was Krampus as quickly as they did mm -hmm. was fucking great. They were just like, okay, this is some supernatural shit. This has to be Krampus. Yeah. And they and they act accordingly. Yeah, and they were like, okay, we gotta move. They knew, they were like, we gotta keep moving. We gotta get back to Edda's house because it's the closest thing we have. But they also realized, you know, they're like, okay, we let's just go into this church and hide for a minute. And then, yeah. so the mom ends up sacrificing herself so Caprice can get away, which also, seemed very realistic to me of you know mm -hmm. that she would try and give her daughter a chance because at that point in time they knew they were like either we both die right now or one of us tries to make a run for it so yeah. caprice finally gets to the aunt's house she's like knocking on the door the aunt won't answer 
Um, so Caprice like goes, she like goes fisticuffs with Krampus and ends up killing him. And when, cause she sets him on fire. And when she does, as he's burning, he like turns into Gerhardt <laughs> for a mm-hmm. minute. Um, and so we come to find out that basically like the power of the magic of Christmas can you know enter anyone but if you're angry and you have a bad soul or whatever that rage can turn you into Krampus and mm-hmm. so Gerhardt became the Krampus Caprice because of the little shit aka Duncan because of the little shit he got really mad so I, I, it was all Duncan's fault honestly it really was though so, like straight up because of this Caprice is like oh so oh so you knew that Krampus was coming. You knew he was going to go after my family because we are the worst. And you sent us out to die. So now Caprice is very upset. And she turns into Krampus and she kills her aunt. <laughs> Which I I didn't think I'd be down for the ending, but I kind of was. Yeah. Because she did very, you could tell the way it was, the way it was plotted out. She did that shit on purpose. She was like, oh. Oh, so, oh, so that's how this works? Yeah. All right, bet. <laughs> yeah. She was like, okay, cool. Like, if if that's how it's going to be, it's how, I'm gonna, it's how it's going to be. I'm going to be Krampus. And the aunt was like, all right, chill, chill. Like, she's like, like we, we can talk about it's this. Like, yeah, she's like, yeah, I did do that. But, like, come on, you're still alive, right? Like, we could be, we never got to really know each other, right? Yeah. Like, well, maybe you could come over for New Year's. Or, <laughs> nah, ha, ha, bitch. Yeah. Caprice was like, bitch, you thought. So, yeah, Caprice turns <laughs> to campus, kills her aunt, and that's the end of that one. I really liked, I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to like that one at the beginning, but I ended up really liking it, and I ended up actually really enjoying the family like i did not think i was gonna like that family once duncan removed himself from the situation by force (laughs) i was like oh i really like this dynamic like i loved the little bit with her and the mom like you know try hiding together and you could tell that they did really all care about each other even though they you know had a very strained dynamic before um mm-hmm. yeah i don't i really like that one and krampus just looks like he just looks so good that it made it fun like i was like i liked the way that they designed him to look yeah what's that what's that like christmas movie with like chevy chase where he takes everybody out on like a like a family road trip or something like that national uh, oh wait you're talking about national lampoon's christmas because there's I national, so. there's vaca- there's vacation, which is the one where they leave, and then there's just the uh-huh. Christmas vacation where they're at their house, but all of their family comes to visit them. Honestly, any of them, like they, the family just had like the National Lampoon vibe, mm. like that. I I, I was getting that because I I didn't like the family, but I will say my main reason reason reasoning, <laughs> my main reasoning for um not liking this family at the start was because I was going to be so salty if they outlived the officer's family Mm. because in, in juxtaposition to their family, because we get the little, that's the crossover I was talking about earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. Like while they're driving off towards the aunt's house, they drive past the officer who same officer that, 
got the police footage of the um of the basement killing he's out uh getting a christmas tree with his family which seems a lot more put together and a lot more loving of a family and i would have been real salty (laughs) if that really nice black family got killed before the duncan infested white family (laughs) well and and the cool thing about them the police officer's family story is we know before we even get to their story because of the um when molly is watching the footage um from the police stuff she says she scott is the police officer that we end up following she mentions Mm -hmm. that after he like after that situation happened he went on stress leave and it like really affected him so we already know that going into their story, which I like. I thought that that was cool that we already kind of knew that he had been through some stuff. And now he's like trying to be like the family man because he's not really yeah. being an officer at the moment. So. Yeah. So, yeah, we hop we hop over to them and this see. OK, so it's a tie between this one and the last story as my favorite. <clears throat> because I really liked the way that this one unfolded. Um, mm-hmm. So we hop over to them. We have Scott is the dad. Kim is the mother. And then they have a son named Will who has asthma. And right away, I was like, okay, this feels like a real family to me. I liked the way that they wrote it. I liked the way that they introduced that he has asthma. Like they're going out to cut out a tree. So of course, like, He needs his inhaler and stuff. It's not one of those things where they're like, son, be careful. You know you have asthma. Like, it comes up very naturally. And I was like, okay, I can appreciate that. Um, But so they go, (laughs) they go to cut down a tree. And Scott's like, hey, let's trespass on this private property because I bet you (laughs) all of the best trees are back there. And Kim's like, babe, we're in the forest. (laughs) We are surrounded by trees left right right, and behind and he's like nah but i have a feeling (laughs) the best tree is gonna be down there (laughs) although although very dumb choice right stupid fucking choice it wasn't so dumb that it was unbelievable because i know those people oh yeah i know those people that are like oh no no no. the good stuff's over here like you just you just gotta be a little bit bad and you'll get a little bit better you know oh yeah definitely it's it's one of those things where like in because we know that it's a horror movie it's like don't 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 do it but in the moment i could see how he'd be like dude whatever who cares let's just go and get a tree and then leave um so they do they go they find the perfect tree as they're leaving um their son hears some voices and he gets lost so they go to find him and they can't for a while they find him inside of a tree and when they find him, he like he doesn't talk. He's not saying anything. And this is the first moment we get where Scott kind of like snaps on him. Mm-hmm. He yells at him because he's like, "Where did? Why did you wander off? Why weren't you listening to us? Whatever." And the mom's like, "Chill, chill, like relax. Everything's fine." And then they leave. Um, so basically, what this story pans out to be is they did not bring back their actual son. They brought back a changeling, which had you ever heard of a changeling before? Uh, yes, mostly because I play a lot of D and I'm a nerd, right? So I've heard of things similar, but I've also like I hadn't 
No, I have not deep di- dove div div di- <laughs> I did not. I never took a dip, duck, dodge dive. I never. <laughs> I never took a hard look at what changelings were until this movie. Is okay. What I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Okay, so basically, for anyone that doesn't know, a changeling is. A lot of times they use the word fairy, but it's not like a fairy that we think of, not like a Tinkerbell fairy. It's more of like a creature that basically they steal a human child and bring them back to the fairy world. And then Mm -hmm. in place of that child, the creature takes on the identity of that child and then they live in the human world. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like a little switcheroo and it usually occurs at a tr- in a tree. So if like it was a baby, then they'd be like left up in a branch or something. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's basically a little switcheroo. Then the fairies get the humans and there's different reasons why they, I've seen different like renditions of why they want the humans. Sometimes it's because they're beautiful. Sometimes it's because they need human blood to survive. It changes depending on whatever. But yeah, then the creature just kind of like chills in the new world and just kind of like enjoys all the luxuries of being a human <laughs> and being mm-hmm. taken care of by humans. So we come to find out that what they've brought back is a changeling. And first of all, the kid who played Will, very, very I give him applause because he played that creature. He 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 so said, well. "Oh, what? I can do what now? I can scarf down the spaghetti like I'm an animal." <laughs> okay. He okay, was sure. he I was shook by how good this kid was. This kid yeah. was really one this kid was really good. Two, I found myself openly saying, "Y'all better not kill Will. Y'all better not kill Will." Like <laughs> yeah. as soon as stuff started getting a little bit tense and Will was missing, I was like, "No, no, 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 no. no. Will is off limits. Do not touch Will." That kid is too precious. I don't want anything mm-hmm. bad happening to him. But then later on, oh, literally yeah. a little bit further into the movie, I'm like, hit Kill that him. little kid with a baseball bat. He's, <laughs> he's fucking evil. Kill him. I know. I was like, kill him. Just kill him right now. <laughs> um, yeah. But he played both sides of that very, very, very well. Because well, he was really cute when he was just like regular Will. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I want him back. Um yeah, so he did a great job. But I mean, everybody, all of the actors in this did a great job. But I, he's like the only kid kid actor in this. And so I wanted to point that out. I like how as the night, because this is all taking place on Christmas Eve night. I like how mm-hmm. as the night goes on, they're like falling apart. Because Will is there. He's being weird. <laughs> he's not listening to them. Um, he's scarfed because he's like there's a point where he's eating spaghetti like an animal and she's like yo um, can you chill on the spaghetti and he doesn't listen and so the dad tries to reach out and take the food away from him and Will stabs him with a fork Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I will say I was like Kim I think that warrants a she was very like I understood it was like she was the more calm parent who was like okay no we're using our words we're gonna talk to our children and then and then scott was more of like the um disciplinarian but in that moment i felt like i was like kim that was kind of a crazy thing that will just did 
um, can you act appropriately? That's like, what she's I'm just saying. Kinda, she's just kind of like, I'll handle this because Scott immediately is like, You're about to what whoop, the I'm fuck? About to whoop this kid's ass. And I mean, yeah, like you look, Kim, your kid just stabbed the dad with a fork. That warrants some. That warrants fucking something. You can't. A, yeah, a bigger reaction, and 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 she did send him to his room, but. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Will has never stabbed any of you guys before. <laughs> and the way that they reacted, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is insane. Our child has never done that before. What the heck is going on? It wasn't like that. It was more so like, oh, why did you do that? You're in trouble now. You know, and yeah. I was like, can you figure out what's going on with him like i get it he was lost maybe he's like having some issues dealing with that but if that's the case then you need to talk to him yeah like, but that's so that's so goddamn out of pocket too and like that i think that was so an interesting thing pocket. too to like watch them navigate because like one not condoning anybody hit their kids like but i i growing up i definitely took a few whoopings and the i felt like the times when like he or uh Scott was like getting to that level like one of them was when he got stabbed in the hand with a fork I think what was interesting is not just how like soft she was to um to Will but how like out I think she was too blinded by Scott's past to like hear what he was kind of saying about yo our kid is acting really fucking weird and we should do something about it. But yes, but it also worked both ways because there is a point where Kim is like, something is not right with Will because she goes and takes a shower. And when she gets out of the shower, Will is just like uh, standing yeah, in the right, bathroom. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And so after that, she sends him to his room and she goes in and she's like talking to Scott. And then... So this happens after the stabbing occurred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then at that point, it kind of flips. And Kim is like, yo, something is not right with Will. Like, we need to do something about this. And now Scott is like, I I hear what you're saying, but I would love to have sex right now. <laughs> and so then it's like, <laughs> and so true, now true, Scott, true. Scott doesn't want to listen to her now. And... I but I I you know what it, it works for me because I think that they have set up well that they haven't been really on the same page and although they are a loving and caring family it seems like Scott has not dealt with what happened mm -hmm. with that day the last Christmas Eve and that they've kind of been struggling to get their um family life back on track yeah so i can understand why they're not on the same page i guess yeah they felt like a very realistic couple though and like i think that's what mm -hmm. aided that story a lot is like they i felt like i was watching an actual couple try and navigate this weird scenario so kim ends up getting a phone call from the guy that actually owns the land that they trespassed on and he's like hey that's not your kid um, you should bring it back. And she's like, huh, okay, bye. Look, I don't know. Should. Did something happen to your boy? He got lost, but we found him later. No, you didn't. He's still lost. 
sorry I haven't got much time, so you're gonna have to do as I say. Bring the changeling back to the forest where you lost your son. But, of course, he was right. Will, changeling Will ends up killing Scott, unfortunately. Um, and so then Kim is like, all right, uh, you're coming with me. She knocks him out with a baseball bat, brings him back to the land because the guy tells her, he's like, bring him back and then I'll get your kid. Like, we'll do the old switcheroo. Mm -hmm. But then when she gets there, the guy's like, actually, LOL, I don't know where your kid is, but thank you for bringing back the changeling. <laughs> um, because he is a changeling herder, apparently. Yeah, he's a changeling babysitter, basically. Um, there's a bunch of them now. She's like, oh my God, there's so many of them because they're just like all standing around watching them. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we've been taking care of them for years. It's not that big of a deal. They're scared <laughs> of me, so it's fine. <laughs> um but so she kind of gets into this argument with him. She ends up accidentally shooting him. Um, she kind of pleads with the changeling to bring back Will. And so the changeling enters the tree. And then Will comes out naked and afraid and confused. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what? What, <laughs> what happened? happened? <laughs> he is. He's like, I got lost. <laughs> I was like. You could say that. Yeah, you could say you got lost. <laughs> but yeah, so she gets Will back. It's kind of like a bittersweet ending because she got him back. But I was like, girl, you got, you got a mess on your hands when you get back to the apartment. Yes, you do. But I was actually okay with how this one ended. Um, mm -hmm. At first, I felt kind of weird about them giving Will back. Um, but then one looking into more about like the changeling lore and stuff is like, they do pull a straight up switcheroo. And then to this idea, I guess because he's like, oh, they're afraid of me. And I've had them on this land for a long time. They were happy that he was dead. So they were kind of, it almost felt like a thank you. They were giving to Kim of like the, oh, you finally got rid of that motherfucker. Thank you. All right. Yeah. You can have your <laughs> kid back. Yeah, and I also wonder, too, because the whole thing with being a changeling is it's like you want to find, like, a willing family. And, you, you know, most of the time you just switch with one child. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if he was like, oh, okay, well, I kind of yeah. fucked up with this family. Maybe I'll yeah. try it again next time. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, I guess I'll go Christmas. back. maybe next Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> maybe next Christmas Eve. I'll try it again. We'll get a different family up in here. Um yeah, so she gets Will back, and that brings us into our last segment. So to preface this last segment, I want to mention going back to Dangerous Dan. So he is, like we said, he's kind of like interjecting every once in a while throughout the different segments. And there's a part near the beginning where we meet two, where he's like talking to other people that work at the radio. And one of them is, what does he call him? Storm and Norman. Storm and Norman. Storm and Norman, because he's the weatherman. Uh, so he's talking to Storm and Norman, and he's like, because Dangerous Dan loves Christmas. And he's talking to Norman about it, and Norman writes him a note that says, fuck Christmas, and he puts <laughs> it up on the window, and he leaves. <laughs> um, and Norman is gone for the rest of the movie because he is at the mall um, for a fundraiser, 
uh, food drive, Christmas food drive. Food drive for a food drive. He's at the mall and um, Dan is like trying to get in contact with him the whole time, but he is unable to. Um, So that is another like little thing where we have this like person who loves Christmas and this person who hates Christmas, which for the most part, everybody in this movie like really, really enjoys Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, Which but I think except- is kind of the fun thing about this movie and why it gets you in the Christmas spirit is mm-hmm. despite the murderous stuff you're watching, all the characters are trying to celebrate Christmas. Like everybody's yeah. trying to get some Christmas in. Maybe not the teenagers, but everyone outside of them is like yeah. trying to enjoy their holiday season. Well, but we do get a moment too where Ben is like kind of upset. He's like, we have a Christmas Eve tradition with my family that I'm not going to get to do this year. Mm, so, that's true. That's very true. So yeah, it's like everybody kind of has their moment where they're like, this is what Christmas means to me. You always open one gift. Every Christmas Eve. We pizza with champagne, watch the sound of music. And before we go to bed, we each open one gift. Not this year. Which is, mm-hmm. which is nice. I like that. Which is so then it's cool because then we get to go and we see Santa Claus at yeah. his at the North Pole. Which I, <laughs> I love that this was kind of like we see this storyline like all these storylines are like interwoven. So we don't just get them one at a time. Um, mm-hmm. But I love that this one was the climax because this was my favorite. This was easily mm-hmm. my favorite timeline. It's so fun. <laughs> because you yeah. know how I feel about zombies. And you put Santa, you put John Wick, Santa Claus, and zombies in the same segment, you know you got a winner for me. Like 10 out of fucking 10. Yeah. It, it's, it starts off. We see that everyone at the North Pole is having a good time. Uh, Mrs. Claus baked her cookies. Santa's jolly. They're trying to figure out all the logistics. And then we see Shiny is an elf there, and he is sweating. He is sick, and he doesn't want a cookie, which, like, throws everybody off. Everybody's like, what's that? What did you say? And he's like, yeah, I don't want a cookie. <laughs> and, and so they keep badgering him about it. And then finally, what does he say? He's like, I don't want a goddamn cookie. <laughs> and then, like, he chops and the axe into his hand on accident and then he dies he just like drops down and dies which is weird because elves can't die yeah and so everyone's like huh but of course he's not dead he is now a zombie and we get zombie elves (laughs) running around battling santa claus and santa is a g he is like he is destroying these elves honey like killing them so hard like decapitating them it's some ash versus the evil dead shit it's so it's so good and the the best part is they don't waste any time with it like that scene happens with the cookies and shiny santa just automatically knows what's going on he's like fuck the elves are sick well, there's only one thing left to do. <laughs> he just starts going the fucking town on the zombie mm-hmm. elves, man. Oh my god, he is destroying them, and he's and he's he thinks that it's that Krampus had something to do with this. Yeah, because he's like, I can't see other any other reason that this would happen. So he tells Mrs. Claus to hide, and he's going through just slaying these elves. And I love the funniest part about it to me 
was that as he would see the elves and he, he would be so upset that they had turned and he would be like, Jingles, no. Or like, yeah, he was sparkly. He, no, I'm so sorry. And then the elves would be like, you fat fucking piece of shit. Like they were like, <laughs> that was cussing. my favorite part. There were so <laughs> many good elf one-liners in there once they turned zombie. Like they just became the worst. They're like, you fucking fat fucking <laughs> yeah. Like, holy <laughs> I'm gonna eat your fucking brains out, you Christmas cunt. Fuck you! I'll break that fucking stuff in your rosy cheek dust, you fucker! I'm sorry, Shiny. I know it isn't your fault. <laughs> Santa's like, oh, you poor, you poor thing. Let me put yeah. you out of your misery. He's like, like he's I know so, it's not your so, fault. <laughs> he's so kind as he's just casually decapitating elves left and right. It is, it's insane to watch. Honestly, him versus the like office scene with him versus like 20 elves. One of my oh, yeah. favorite Christmas things I've ever seen ever. I'm saying it right here and now. That is easily one of the best Christmas scenes I've ever seen. I I've, know. Yeah. I wanted that in my life and I'm so happy that it's there and I may or may not watch that scene every year on Christmas from here on out. I've never seen a I've never seen somebody use another person's head to like he picks up one of the elves heads and then bashes another right? elf's head in with the head. And I was like interesting tactic at one, I, at one point he like slices off an elf's head with like a like a paper cutter or one of those you know the things i'm talking about where you like yeah, slide yeah. Some of those old school things you used to have in elementary school where you like would slice the paper like he takes one of those and just yeets an elf's head off of his body yeah <laughs> he gets a nice a nice clean slice he's getting some real clean slices on these on these elves so yeah he he gets all the elves then he finds mrs claus she has also turned and so he also has to kill her so finally we are back to the beginning we are at the ending and the beginning where we see him he's covered in blood somebody's banging on the door and we reveal Ooh. wait hold on, oh, hold on. before before we go into this part now, i mm -hmm. know homies that you are so deep in this episode You've probably already watched the movie or we've already spoiled a lot of stuff for you. But we're about to give one of, if not the biggest spoilers of this movie. Mm -hmm. And this is a dope fucking movie. And this reveal is awesome. It's awesome. So if you've listened all the way up until this point and you haven't watched the movie yet, I highly, highly urge you to go back, watch the movie and then come back for this last bit. Yeah, because it's a great ending. I I wrote "Oh my god" in all caps when I realized when yeah, this I reveal was happened. By this ending. <laughs> my, I was like, "That's good." Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So no turning back at this point, homies. So we reveal that Krampus is standing in the doorway. Krampus and Santa get into this fight. They're going for it, and Krampus gets Santa down. But then Santa gets the upper hand, and he's about to kill. Krampus when Krampus says no Norman don't no Norman and Santa goes Norman and then we get the reveal 
that all of this stuff, this entire elf massacre that has happened at the North Pole was actually happening in Bailey Downs, Storm and Norman went on a murderous rampage at the food drive at the mall and was killing everybody. And we were like cheering him on when he was Santa killing the elves. And then we get his like, what he was actually happening and he's just killing. Dude. He's, he's killing innocent, I'm not, I just, innocent people in cold blood. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that reveal shook me so much i didn't see it coming at all at Me all either. and the worst thing is they talk about it through the whole goddamn movie they reference it the whole time and i was yeah. like y'all did so good with that so good so good because it's so subtle throughout the movie dan keeps mentioning like oh we can't get a hold of norman looks like something's going on over at the mall um like hopefully and and he keeps equating he keeps saying like oh it's bad weather we can't get a hold of him and then a little bit further into the movie we find out that there is an incident occurring at the mall and the police are there but dan has not received any information about it so yeah you keep getting these little nuggets and in my head i was kind of wondering i was like what are we ever going to find out what happened at the mall like what was the point of this whole thing with Norman at the beginning, was it just kind of to be like a Grinch in juxtaposition with Dan? And so, yeah, when you get this reveal and you see, because we never saw Norman's face in the beginning, we just saw the back of him. So when you get the reveal that Norman and Santa Claus were the same person and he was just having this hallucination and he, like, going back and seeing, because they go back and show, like, oh, when he killed this elf, this was actually this person. And there's a part with Mrs. Claus where he's like approaching her and she says, stay away from me. And when you're mm -hmm. watching it the first time, you're like, oh, it's because she's a zombie and she doesn't want to hurt him. But then you realize, nope, it was just a girl who was telling him to stay away from her because she didn't want to die. It's mm -hmm. insane. It's, it's, I loved this ending. Like I did not see it coming at all, which, it was, it's fan it was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. And I loved how they tied Norman back in. And I loved the thing where it's like, okay, yeah, the North Pole thing, it was really fantastical, but it still fit in the movie. But then it's like, this makes even more sense. Like, of course it's happening in Bailey Downs. Like, of course, there's this other horrible thing that's happening that's connected to this town. So, so one of the things, um, looking at like, people uh, some other people's feelings about this movie and like reading reviews and stuff like that mm -hmm. um one of the things that i saw that people had a bit of a tiff with and like i kind of felt this way a little bit too i'm kind of curious how you feel about it is they they had stories that they weren't as interested in within the anthology and what they felt is the pacing of this movie got messed up by them jumping back and forth the way that they did Mm -hmm. And so it kind of felt like every time you got started in one story, you have to jump to this other story that you may or may not like, which I can actually understand that. And having one like loving the Santa killing elf stuff so much, like I, of course, was just waiting for the next time we'd hop back into the North Pole. Right. Like every time I was like, these stories are great, but I do want to go see Santa fighting more, more elves. Mm. Um, but this reveal at the end i don't think would have hit 
the way that it hit if they didn't jump back and forth the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Because I watched, I, I went to this movie not knowing that it was an anthology. Um, so although confused, I was trying <laughs> to piece together um, the different aspects of the story myself. And so this whole idea that Krampus, because we get introduced to Krampus within um, Caprice's story, this whole idea that somehow the stuff that he's doing in Bailey Downs is affecting the North Pole, I was sold. I was Mm -hmm. sold. So when he popped in at the end, it was kind of weird to see Krampus there, but I thought it was going to be something like the, oh, okay, so Santa's going to kill Krampus, and then it's going to be, oh, shit, it was just Caprice or some stuff like that. But it, I think jumping between all these different storylines kind of pushes, nudges you away from this reveal enough that when it finally hits, it hits fucking hard. Yeah, I think so too. And and like, that's just the thing about, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. That's the risk that you take with anthologies is that because you're introducing so many different stories, if you're not interested in a story, you're, you know, it sucks sometimes to go back to that story. Or if you really, really love one and compared to the other one, you wish that they spent more time on that or, you know, or that they spent less time on the one that you didn't like. So I, I can I can understand that. Like, I can understand why people are like, I just wasn't as interested in these things. So, you know, for that reason, I wasn't as invested in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I do agree. I wish, you know, there are certain things where I wish certain times where I wish they had cut down on the teenager story a little bit. And because that one had so much exposition, I felt like we stuck with that one for longer than some of the other stories. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I don't know what more they could have done with like Caprice's story, for instance, once it starts to become them just out running Krampus, I don't want to just see them running for forever or yeah. And with the Santa story, of course, I would have loved to see him, you know, killing elves for in more creative ways and stuff. But at the same time, that really was all his story was. Yeah. Was killing elves. Them, jumping between these stories allowed them to cut a lot of the fat off of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, when we're when we're dealing with the with the Krampus stuff, it's like, yeah, that's all we want to see from this storyline anyway. Like with the right. with the Santa stuff, that's all that's all we want to fucking see. And so, yeah, if they had like say they had made this into like more of just like a series of like shorts that mm-hmm. all like came together at the end, you then run the risk of these stories falling even more flat because we're spending even more time in these universes right. and that could lead to us finding more problems with them. Yeah. They overstay their welcome a little bit, which I think could have very easily happened with that Santa Claus story. And mm-hmm. yeah, the reveal makes more sense that we didn't see very much of it because when you find out it's just him going through the mall, killing people, it's like, okay, yeah, that it, it wouldn't have, I feel like if we saw a bunch of it, it wouldn't have made sense because then you would have been like, okay, well, what was that in the mall? Like, why were there yeah. that many people there? Why was he doing this? I think it works very well because I was wondering I was like man it doesn't seem like there's very many elves but then when Mm -hmm. you find out in the end oh he's just killing mall employees you're like okay it makes sense that there's only like what 15 of them there because he's not at the North Pole I I, I totally get that criticism 
Um, and I like, think nah, that's be- warranted. <laughs> but respectfully, you're wrong. I'm just kidding. And <laughs> just kidding. for me, one last little bit of like icing on the cake for this movie that I very much enjoyed. The fact that we just were off the heels of our Once Upon a Time at Christmas um, review, <laughs> it just, you know, it it warmed my holiday heart to watch a Santa Claus also with an axe, but in a way <laughs> that I wholeheartedly enjoyed far more than the previous rendition. So yeah. not really trying to throw shade, but if you're going to give Santa Claus an axe, you know, maybe watch this movie and take some notes. That's all That's all I'm going to yeah. say. That's all I'm gonna say. Maybe do it a little bit better. I don't know. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> all right. Well, should we rate this bad boy? Let's do it. What are uh, we what gonna it do? It out of? Um, we could do it out of zombie elves. Um, I was almost gonna say elf heads. Oh, um, I like elf heads. Let's elf, do heads? elf heads. Yeah. yeah. All right. What What are you thinking out of five elf heads? Uh, out of five elf heads, I think I would give a Christmas horror story four and a half out of five elf heads. Hey. Four and a half. I re- I really like this movie a lot. Um, like I said towards the beginning of this episode, I think it I do think it's difficult. And I, I know I'm a stickler, but like I do think it's difficult to combine Christmas and horror. I think those are hard things to do. And like outside of Krampus and all that shit, like there's very there's only really a couple ways to do it. But I think this movie did it in a in a in a way that I hadn't seen. And was an enjoyable watch. Uh, I was invested the whole time. And again, gave me one of the greatest Christmas fighting scenes since <laughs> uh, since Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting all the Santa Claus. I think this is up there. Oh <laughs> Santa fighting zombie elves is going to be right up there with number one and number two <laughs> best Christmas <laughs> fights of all time. So, uh yeah, four four out of five, four and a half out of five zombie or zombie elf heads. Nice. How okay. about you? I'm gonna go ahead and give this four elf heads out of five. Nice. Um, it's just fun. I don't know. It's just fun. I enjoyed watching it. I will probably watch it again. Um, it's always nice to get another, you know, horror holiday movie that I'm like, okay, yeah, I would definitely rewatch this. Um, it put me in the Christmas mood. I loved the premises for all the stories. I thought they were really creative. I thought that the characters were were well written. The acting was great. Um, and like I said, even in the story that I liked the least, I was still interested in mm-hmm. what was happening. And I would love to go back and rewatch because I only watched it the one time. I'd love to go back and rewatch it now, knowing what I know about the ending after we've discussed the teenager story, I would like to rewatch it and kind of, you know, see it from that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. It's just, a, it's just fun. And I'm, I'm surprised it took me this long to watch this movie. And I, I, yeah, it's just four, four elf heads. I'm just so happy that we ended on one that was this enjoyable. Um, yeah and brought me the Christmas spirit. Definitely, if we're gonna make a pick of which of the movies we reviewed this month that you should watch to like round out your holiday season, for sure, A Christmas Horror Story 
Yeah. Um, great fucking watch, which I, I know you can watch it on Shudder. That's where I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's on anything else. You might be able to like rent it on like Amazon or something like that. Yeah, you possibly um, will. I'll look it up. And um, when I make a post about it on Instagram, if it is available anywhere else, I'll mention that for you guys, because I definitely think that you guys should check this out. You can watch it in between watching TBS's A Christmas Story Marathon. Maybe uh, <laughs> give one of those a pause and throw this one on <laughs> instead. Um, but yeah, homies, check this out if you get the chance. It's super fun and it's a great Christmas movie if you want to watch something that's going to get you into the Christmassy mood. Um, but yeah, homies, that is going to be it for our review on A Christmas Horror Story. We hope that you have enjoyed it. If you have, then please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We would very much enjoy it. Um, We would appreciate it. It lets us know how we're doing, and we would love to hear some feedback from our homies. Um, As always, you can interact with us, message us, recommendations and requests. You You can do that through our social media. We are at homies of horror on instagram twitter and facebook you can also always email us if you have any business inquiries or you can request things through there as well our email is homies of horror at gmail.com but yep homies that is going to be it for us today be on the lookout for our bonus episode coming at you on thursday and then our New Year's extravaganza coming at you a week after that. But yep, that's it for us, homies. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we will be checking you all out soon. Yeah, catch you later, homies. Bye.